Well, uh, good morning and a welcome each one. Um, Conrad, it's good to see you. And uh, it's everyone. It's good to see everyone here. And uh, I especially want to uh, wish all you mothers a happy Mother's Day. And so I don't forget when I'm going through the message, there's going to be five principles that I bring out. And uh, for those who have been praying for a child, for some reason you may not be able to have children or whatever, if there is anyone, um, don't feel condemned. Just continue praying and especially pray that God would lead you. Um, he may have a different plan for you. Well, here we go. Everyone, I think most of you know my heart, is my heart is for adoption. My heart goes out to the orphans, which that is really pure religion that is undefiled is that we, we visit the fatherless. So I question, by the way, this is not part of the, uh, well, it is part of the message, but it's not what I was thinking on. But it is, these little orphans, they also need a mother. They would desire a mother and a father. God has given that desire in everyone's heart. And... I've lamented and I've not done anything about it. So I guess I'll open it up now, my heart. We do well, I, th I think we do somewhat well with visiting the widows in their affliction. But what are we doing for the fatherless? Why do we not have an account where when someone feels called, that to adopt one of these little ones, to be a mom and a dad for some precious little soul. Why do not we not have this account where we as a church help to ease that burden so it's more readily available where we can minister more and more and more to these fatherless children. But we're doing practically nothing as a church except for praying. And that is also good. But that's my heart. As you know, my heart's with the orphans. It's just God has given me a heart for the orphans. Oh Lord, you do with what you want with that. Mothers are perhaps the most powerful and influential class of people or persons on the face of the earth. Meditate on that a little, mothers. You are very, very influential to your children. <clears throat> the sad thing is we are in a difficulty here in America. See, the culture of America, it's kind of like a ship out at sea without a rudder, 
without a compass, in a storm. And furthermore, we have no anchor. Or, I say we, the culture around us. See, the anchor is gone. So what is the anchor? What holds the home? I know ultimately God. Okay, I, I know that. But when it's us, the ones we see, mothers are kind of the ones that hold the home together. See, children spend most of their time with their stay-at-home moms. So godly mothers have a magnificent impact on their children. And there's a war against motherhood. The result of that can come from, can be immorality, adultery, fornication. Sad to say, abortion. And many times, this, this can be traced back to the homicide of motherhood in the home. Now, if it'd be a Father's Day message, it would be the prisons, the men that are in the prisons. There's a high percentage of them who do not have a father in the home. The home structure is under attack. And it is true. The father is the head of the home. But I see the mother as being the heart of the home. You know, yesterday, I was sitting in, but. I was hoping the Lord would keep me from being so emotional. <clears throat> I was sitting by the desk, had my five points, and it just, just wasn't coming together. Then I got a phone call. Dad had called, said that mom, <laughs> mom's not, can't breathe very good. I mean, she's having, really struggling. And my sisters think I should talk to her. Because numerous times she was in the hospital already and saying that uh, they're thinking it's traced back to some anxiety. So I said, well, you just wondered if I'm doing anything. I said, well, I have to have the message tomorrow. If I could come in the evening, I said, yeah, I'll just make sure I get over there. But as I sat there, it's just, I for sure couldn't think. And then I talked with my wife and said what had happened and 
And she said, well, maybe you just need to go and get it out of the way. She knows how I am. When something's on my mind, it just stays there. I've got to do something about it or it just stays there. So I went. And uh, normally, preparing a message takes pretty much all day. So I spent time there, went to mom and dad there, and, and I started with these hard questions of, you know, um, they say maybe it be anxiety. Is there anything that is bothering you? Is there, um, or would there be a fear of death? Or just where, where are you at? See, I had this on my mind for a while. I, I thought I should just so I would have peace. So I know. And, uh, and she was okay with, you know, yeah, the Lord is, I mean, Jesus is Lord and she's saved. And um, she does not have the fear after death. That's, that's not bothering her. She, she wants to go. And uh, I said, if there's anything else that would come to her mind where, and didn't really mention anything. I said, in order to be free, you'll, there, you can't intentionally hold anything back. And uh, so she started sharing some things. So I uh, asked, well, can I pray? Can we pray? And we'll just work through this stuff. And uh, sure, man, she, she wanted to. And so she was and talking between these little puffs. And then I said, well, I'll just intercede and I'll just pray. And then let God do the work in your heart. And so I started praying and it was, uh, I switched it over into the Dutch so it would resonate better. And that's, that's a trip. And um, so I kept on and it was probably a good half hour that we were praying. Then when she, when we were done, I said, well, you know, how do you feel now? She said, it's, the burden is gone. And I don't know how many of you know Dad. He's always been the rough and tough. When he would apologize, it was always kind of sarcastically. But when we were done, because there were some things that he had done. In a sincere, he just said, I am so sorry. Why I'm saying this is, don't neglect the opportunity to spend time with mom and dad and helping them on the journey That's one way we honor them. By the way, she is in the hospital. And uh, after I was finished and 
they ate a little bit, and then they were going to take her to the emergency room and check it out, and her lungs are filled with fluid. So they're draining that. Now today, I guess, I want to take a look at a wonderful woman called Hannah. <clears throat> now, Hannah was not a magnificent mother because times were easy. Um, Elkanah had two wives. Now, can you imagine the struggle that can be there? Is... I can't imagine having two wives. And uh, where there was, Hannah was barren, and Panina, or whatever her name was, was um, fruitful. And then she would constantly um, degrade and mock Hannah. So that's kind of what the story starts out at. So turn with me to 1 Samuel 1. Hannah's crying out that she wants this baby, that she may have a baby. I'm going to start in verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to you, Lord, all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. I'm going to pause a little bit. The uh, razor upon his head, it was just, what is that? But if you look back in number 6, verse um, 5, it's the uh, separation of the Nazarites. And all the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled, which he separated himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. Then he shall, then he shall let the locks of his hair on his head grow. She's really, I want a holy child. He's going to be separated unto you. It made a little more sense then. And it happened as she continued praying before the, she continued praying before the Lord that Eli washed her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. <clears throat> and she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. 
Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. That's actually what Samuel means, asked of the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord, offer to the Lord, sorry, the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood <clears throat> by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. As I said before, I want to bring out five, five principles that I find here. And and it not only applies to mothers, it, it can apply, these principles apply to anyone desiring to be godly, but especially today we want to remember in uh, how to be a magnificent mother. So the first principle is a godly priority. She had her priorities straight. She took her problem to the Lord. And also, she had this God-given instinct that she wanted a baby. You see, the Bible teaches us that the children are a blessing and a gift from God. Psalm 127, 3 to 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Also, Psalm 128. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So if you want to be blessed, fear the Lord and have children. You see, children do not make rich people poor. They make poor people rich. Children 
are a blessing, not a burden. Isn't it horrible, tragedy, how the priorities are so messed up today? They would rather follow a career than to raise children for God. And there is something drastically wrong when they go so far as they kill the baby that is in the womb. There is something drastically wrong with their priorities. You see, the womb should be the safest place for a baby. And for some babies, it's the most dangerous place they can be. That is not God's intention. That should, may I say, that should never cross our mind. It should never cross our mind. It should be horrible tragedy if we hear that it's happened. And we can't just assume that everyone is on the same page. I think we need to teach this. It is wrong. Dead wrong. It's murder. And you may ask some ladies, you know, well, what do you do? So they may have these, they may have more degrees than what's on the thermometer, and they're really popular people. Then this other one, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Just a stay-at-home mom. Young ladies, don't you dare let the feminists of today steal that from you that you do not desire to be a mother. There is no greater joy and reward than raising a child for Jesus Christ. And never underestimate the power of a mother. Have your priorities straight. Have a godly priority. It's godly prayer. See, when your priorities lined up with God, then your prayers line up too. When your prayer is not answered, you ask amiss because you want to assume it with your own lusts. So when, when should we begin to pray for our children? Before or after they're born? It would be before they're born. How about, going a step further, should we pray before they're conceived? This is what was happening with Hannah. Pray for your children before they're conceived. 
Children ought to come as an answer to prayer. You see, we need more children that are brought to this world through prayer and given back to the Lord through prayer. Third, godly purpose. See, your priority and your prayers become your purpose now. She wanted a little, Hannah wanted a little boy that she could raise for the Lord. That was the purpose. She had a godly purpose in her godly prayer. So what are you praying for? For your children. That they have good health and they do good in school and they're popular and they're just on top of everything. Is that what we're praying? I hope we have that for your children. But that shouldn't be our prayers. That's not godly prayer. Those are selfish prayers, if I may say so. We can desire, we want our children to be healthy. But more so is that they become lovers of Jesus Christ and followers of Jesus Christ. That should be our constant purpose of raising that child. Not to be popular, not to fit in. No. Normally, if you fit in, you're actually not in, if I may say so. And please, mothers and fathers, let's not set goals for our children. We can set goals for ourselves. I have a goal of being a godly father for my children. I have a desire that my children grow, grow up to be godly. But don't set goals that they got to do this and they got to do this and they got to do this. It can be catastrophe because we're not God. But I have desires and a goal for me is the desire to bring them to the Lord that they follow him totally. Then he will direct them where they need to go because that's where he can use them. He has, they are born for a purpose. Give them back to God so they can fulfill that purpose. Our purpose is to raise them for a godly purpose, if that's a good enough purpose. It's a splendid purpose. So the fourth principle, because Hannah had the purpose that little Samuel would be, be this little preacher boy and he would serve God. Godly persistence. This crossed my mind when uh, Melinda was sharing. Just I want to encourage, encourage Austin and Melinda to be persistent. Just... Don't allow Satan 
to rob you from following God. Um, That may not be very comforting right now, but I just want to encourage you. Stay persistent in prayer and following the Lord. The Lord heard Hannah because of persistence. It says she continued praying, and Eli the priest noticed, and he saw that her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. You know, he thought she was drunk. Hannah was just persistent in prayer, just kept on and on. Um, You know, no matter how dark, how desolate, or no matter how difficult it may seem, pray. Continue to pray. And then wait on God. Over and over, we're told to wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the new day. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. So mothers, if you want to be a magnificent mother, don't fret. It just causes harm. Be persistent in prayer. It doesn't mean that we just say nothing to our children. That's not what we're saying. Just don't fret. And the fifth one, it was godly persuasion. When you get your priority, your prayer, your purpose, and your persistence right, now you can go and you can persuade that child to Jesus Christ. And I don't mean in a persuading as far as an annoying way, but it's more that um, by my godly life, by my testimony, by my life, It's just they're so drawn to it that they're persuaded this is what I want. It's a godly persuasion. You know, Elkanah and the household had went to worship, but she stayed at home. It's just, well, why did she stay at home? You see, What I might see her saying is, look, there are things that people think are very important. But you know, right now, the most important thing I have right now is I have this baby that I am raising for Jesus Christ or for the Lord at that time. Today, we should focus that just because some things we may seem like they're really important, 
If that child needs nursing and care, we must take care of that little child and the neglect of children today is sad. Sad how they're neglected. We pursue this. We pursue that. Who, who is suffering when there's little children at home, the little children are suffering. When mom is out and about and going all sorts of business, the children are suffering. And when dad has no time, just work and work and work and work, the children are suffering. They're neglected. Our number one priority should be to raise our family to be godly children. So maybe see she was also maybe thinking I don't want anyone else to do it and um, but me and I'm not going to let anyone keep me from doing it. I'm going to serve the Lord and teaching my child to serve the Lord. This is my baby. I'm going to do my best to persuade this child to God. You see, a father does have influence in the home. But a mother oftentimes leaves the deepest impression in the child. It's something about that mother's love just penetrates into the child. Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. The persuasion. George Bush the 41st president said that his mother was the godliest person that he ever knew. Billy Graham also commented about his godly mother. Look at the persuasion of the mother and what these men become. And can you imagine? Look at these millions of abortions. Imagine maybe in one of them would have been another Billy Graham. And they were killed. Look at the potential that is gone. Enough on abortion. I'm going to leave in closing. Here's a prayer that is actually out of Scripture. It's Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. It's what Paul says was writing that he was praying for the church. And I, this is the Laverne's revised version. It's, I uh, personalized it. And you can even personalize it with names. God, I ask you that you would grant your child, but I, I have our children, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might through your spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, that they being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height 
to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that they may be filled with all the fullness of you, God. When we pray directly out of Scripture, don't you think God will answer? Because it's the very heart of God. That's the prayers we need to pray for our children. Not the selfish ones that everything just goes well and la-da-da-da-da. And if we can live out these five principles, our children will receive the ABCs. I want to give you the ABCs. That child, every child needs the ABCs. Acceptance. Belonging. And confidence. Oh, the lack of this in the culture today. Still trying to be somebody. It takes a godly love to live out the five principles. And thank God for the magnificent mothers that are in this room today. And thank God for the impact that you mothers are to the next generation that is growing up. I want to thank you mothers and praise God how he is working in your hearts. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for speaking to my heart and seeing some of the areas where I can grow in, Lord. So, Lord, enable us by your grace and your spirit to accomplish your will, to live by your word. May we have our priorities straight. May we have a godly priority and have godly prayer. Give us a godly purpose, Lord. And may we have a godly persistence that we don't lose heart, that we continue to run this race because the prize awaits us. Thank you, Lord. And may we be this godly persuasion for those around us that we would just draw them to you, Lord, that they would hunger and thirst after your righteousness. Lord, we again just ask that you would bless the mothers and the mothers-to-be and also the uh, wannabe mothers. Comfort each one's heart, Lord. May your peace rule in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name.